0: Okay, so um, just a little bit of uh, background about Deer Park and what what that is. So here at Be Here Now and here at the Open Way Mindfulness Center, we're rooted in um, the mindfulness tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh. And a lot of people just refer to the tradition as the Thich Nhat Hanh tradition, but it's officially called the Plum Village tradition. And Plum Village is our original root monastery in the south of France. It's our largest <coughs> monastery. Um, very active and vibrant. They host a lot of retreats there. And then we also have um, a few other monasteries slash practice centers and a a couple other countries as well. And then we have three monastery practice centers here in the United States. So we have one in um, New York, in Pine Bush, New York, called Blue Cliff. And then we have uh, one in Batesville, Mississippi, called Magnolia Grove. And then we have one in Southern California called Deer Park. Monastery, And so Deer Park is located about an hour from the San Diego airport. And um, that's where all of us have recently traveled to. And uh, Deer Park Monastery is um, uh, situated on 400 acres, um, sort of nestled in the Chaparral Mountains of Southern California. It was established in the year 2000. And it's uh, currently home to between 40 to 50 monastics. And monastic, monastics meaning sort of the, um, it's a group term for both monks and nuns or brothers and sisters as they're often referred to as who live there. Um, And um, currently, all of the monastery practice centers in our tradition are in, they're just getting ready to wrap up their three month winter retreat time, which is a concentrated practice time for the monastic community. However, it's still a time when those. Um, monasteries are still open to those of us like you and I, lay people who can go there for retreat times for a variety of different amounts. Some lay people are there for the whole three months, Um, some just go for a week or two or three like like us. Um, And then it's also these monasteries, are practice centers, they're open most of the year to people to come and and stay for various amounts of times there. So these are very open and welcome places that you can go if you have that desire. And um, Deer Park itself is situated into two hamlets, as they call it, Clarity Hamlet and Solidity Hamlet. And they're within a 10-minute walk of each other, but they are um, operated rather separately. They have their own dining halls and meditation halls and their own leadership groups. And Clarity Hamlet is where the sisters reside, um, and Solidity Hamlet is where the brothers reside. And then so those of us, like you and I, if you're a single female and you go there to stay, you would stay with the sisters in Clarity Hamlet. And if you're a single guy, you would go and stay with the brothers in Solidity Hamlet. But you can also go um, with your romantic partner and... In that case, you would stay also with the brothers. In Solidity Hamlet, they have lodging, and you could stay together with your partner. Um, They also house families up there as well. So when you go with your kids, you would also stay with the brothers. So just kind of a little bit of background if you hear us uh, refer to either of those hamlets. And then there's a large meditation hall in between those two hamlets that um, there's a lot of gathering time there too and there's a, there's there's interaction between the hamlets but especially during the winter retreat those hamlets do stay more separate than the rest of the year um, because again that's a time more concentrated time for the monks and nuns um, for their own practice so so just a little bit a little bit of background uh, and um, there's also some brochures back there on the piano about Deer Park that I brought home too if you're um, interested in learning a little bit more um so at this point, maybe I'll have Bob give us a bell and I'll pass this to Miriam and uh, she'll start us off. It's going to help us stay um, on time. So you might you might hear a little muffled sound of the bell, and that indicates to us that our five minutes are to wrap up. So just let you know what that what that's all about.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, I was at Deer Park for the last two weeks of December, and I guess the first thing I would say about it is that it's just a beautiful place. There's a lot of wildlife there. I saw a variety of birds. I saw two coyotes, which is a little beautiful and hesitating when you're walking by yourself at night. Um, But it was just an amazing experience. Um, I also learned very quickly that it looks very uh, well taken care of for a reason. Um, There is working meditation most days, and you get to see very quickly just how much effort it is to take that landscape and keep it as beautiful and as well taken care of as it is there. Um, so, one of the things that I got from being at Deer Park was just being fully immersed in the practice and the opportunity to slow down. Um, I'm the sort of very hectic, busy, anxious sort of person, so having the entire day structured like that and having my purpose being to slow down, to deepen my practice, to work on it, I found very useful. Um, and it's sort of this goal I now have is like a standard of this is what I'm working towards in my practice. Uh, it's obviously not where I am now living lay life. Um, but it gives you sort of a ideal of if I were going and spending mindfulness is like one of my main goals in life. What might my life look a bit like? Um, and One of the reasons I found it so easy to practice there and a lot of people do is that you've got a sangha around you and you're around that sangha 24-7. There is a monastic community there, so I was staying with the sisters, and um, though it might seem a little intimidating at first to be surrounded by nuns who, this is their life, and they know how to do this and everything else. um, They're actually quite supportive, and being there and being surrounded by them, it was easier for my hectic energy sort of to be absorbed and buffered. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So instead of spreading, my hectic energy outward, which is something that can happen, they slowly spread their calming energy inward and helped me. Um, And I noticed that with several of us. Um, So during the winter retreat, people are generally staying more like a week or two. Uh, So I came in with a group of people, and a lot of us stayed the full two weeks, and we started out all sort of bumping around and hectic, and then we slowly started slowing down. So by the end of the two weeks, those of us who'd stayed the whole time were a lot, more grounded than when we showed up. Also gives me a lot of respect for the sisters, who constantly have these new groups of people coming in with their hectic energy, and they're slowly working every day to sort of absorb and buffer that and calm all of us down. So deep appreciation there. (laughs) And then after two weeks, they have a new group, and they have to start all over again. so I packed my bag with a to-do list. I'm very like checklist-oriented. I'm like, I'm bringing these books. I'm going to work on these meditation types. This is what I want to make progress on. And I got there. And the first day the bookstore was open, I went and bought a book I already had, which was at home, because I hadn't brought the right materials at all. What I thought I needed to work on and what I needed to work on were not the same. <laughs> so if you do go, um, at least I found for me, going with a to-do list, doesn't really work out, because you may very well find that you have a very different to-do list. And one of the good things about being in that environment is it's not like one of the sisters came up to me and said, hey, this is what you should be working on. I was just sitting every day, and it was like, oh, I know what I need to be working on. <laughs> so That was very useful. Um, So something else I learned there was everything actually has a purpose. For example, I thought working meditation was, okay, so we're giving back to the monastery. These people are feeding us and housing us, so this is my way to give back. And in a way, that's true, and in a way, it's very wrong, at least for me. I actually got quite a bit out of working meditation. I found that a lot of my ingrained habits came up, like, okay, I have to get four... Trees completely covered with mulch in the next 30 minutes and then I can take a break and it's like, wait a minute, what, what am I doing? <laughs> if I don't finish mulching the trees tomorrow, which of course we didn't, I'll be back the next day and I will continue working on the ones we didn't reach. So it's sort of, and again you have work leaders that are with you that already have practice slowing down and doing things in the moment and Um, I found that very helpful, even though it took me a few days to realize that working meditation is, in fact, meditation. Um, But once I figured that out, it went a little bit smoother. I have quite a bit of habit energy when it comes to work and being very on task. Um, So another thing is that, um, in addition to yourself showing you what you need to do, I found that my roommates, were some of my biggest teachers, because I was, you know, around them pretty constantly for two weeks, and every now and then things came up. And then I found I had an interesting opportunity to deal with the emotions that came up and address them and try to uh, transform them and go forward. So I guess my overarching experience that I had at Deer Park is everything you do from eating meditation and obviously the sitting meditation down to... Interactions with your roommates and working meditation are all, in fact, ways for you to grow and strengthen the practice. I think I heard a muffled bell, so I will hand this off.
2: everyone um both Nicole and and Miriam have mentioned how beautiful Deer Park is but I want to just describe it a little more because for me the um the landscape there has a lot to do with the power of the place um on the the Deer Park logo you could say the tagline says Deer Park Monastery in the Great Hidden Mountain and um if you imagine like a Nice mountain with a with an ice cream scoop taken out of the middle and a monastery nestled right right in the center of that kind of scoop. It's it's very protected in its own mini little watershed, this bowl and it drains out kind of a narrow cleft and so um when you go there you're driving on these busy Southern California freeways and there's a lot of a lot of people who live in Southern California it turns out and um <laughs> and then you Come around these these corner and all of a sudden you're in this this very protected bowl and the feel completely changes and um, there are oaks big uh, big live oaks I think they are um, and they you know they they spread they're not like vertical trees like we have here mostly but they they really branch out from the ground in these incredible curves and so you go through this oak grove and all around are the the chaparral hills and big granite boulders and um so it's just spectacular and and yeah, we saw some coyotes at breakfast, which is so special too so the the feel of the place immediately um, put me in a different state of mind um, and to to kind of enter that space for me almost felt like a shock to the nervous system because um. It's so different than the way we live. Uh, I I was wrapping up kind of work stuff the day before we got to the monastery and um, sending a lot of emails and my my strategy to try and remember what I have to do is to like open a new tab in my browser, put the person's name in, write one sentence, and then move on to the next one because I can't keep them all in my head at once. So like, what a way to distract yourself, right? And get really frenetic and dispersed. So. I was successfully in that space before arriving there and then you come and it's just like running into a wall in a way you slow way way down and um it it definitely it shakes you up a bit you know it's um i i heard someone describe it uh like you've been living with a really loud noise in the background and all of a sudden it stops and um and you're kind of disoriented by that but it's, it feels really nice um it definitely take took took me you know a couple of days to feel that transition and um but what i noticed was that the there's there's so many what you can call skillful means ways of reminding yourself there so every, everything from the way things are structured you know there's never anything back to back there's always at least a half an hour usually more between any scheduled event and so uh it just gives you the time to walk slowly, um, to, um, to not, not really fill, fill in all the gaps, you know? It's actually, I think it's really strategic. They don't give you enough time to like, go off and do a hike or you know, do something big. It's just enough time to kind of settle into whatever it is, you know, maybe, maybe you're going to go brush your teeth or just sit in the sun for a few minutes. And, um, and there are um, little gattas, the mindfulness verses, you know, posted throughout places that you are often, like um, at the front of the dish line or uh, other places in the dining hall. Just little reminders to enjoy your breath or or your walking. Um, in the dining hall, every fifteen minutes, a a bell rings, a, a, like on a little clock, ding 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 ding. And so when that happens, everybody just stops. And um, if whether if you're eating, you have your mouth full, you just kind of hold your food there and salivate. Um, <laughs> and it's, so there's all these, all these things that are drawing you back to the present moment, drawing you back to your breath or to yourself. And so, uh, and and then beyond that, like Miriam talked about, there's this kind of, the support of the sangha, which um, comes, I think, in many ways from seeing sort of these, uh, the way that people are acting and moving slowly, um, but also on a, much more subconscious, maybe you could say energetic level. Um, things are so much calmer, people are so calm. And so um, to be kind of distracted and frenetic there would be actually kind of difficult because it's so much against the grain of the place. And so it just, you kind of surrender and are drawn into it, mm-hmm. I I found. Um, the... It's not a it's not silent time, there's, there's noble silence from 9.30 at night until after you wash your breakfast dishes and, and throughout the rest of the day it's, it's pretty quiet but it's not silent and so I found myself actually really grateful for that because um, being able to connect with other visitors was so powerful. It's a really incredible group of people who gather there. Um, and, and and maybe maybe it's not so much that they're incredible people, but they're in a really open space, and they're um, all looking at themselves deeply, and and looking at the world, trying to, and willing to communicate about that. And so I found the um, the connections that I made there uh, felt like they went really deep, really quickly, and and, and just um, supported me in powerful ways um, that I'm still thinking about, and I'm so grateful for the people I met and that. I got to speak with them, that I didn't just have to um, you know eat and, and walk in silence with them um, and I think I would just wrap up by saying um, I w- one thing that I was so surprised and grateful for was how how close the the quiet and the level of peacefulness that I experienced there felt you know I, when <clears throat> I'm living at. Least yeah, when I'm living daily life here, it's kind of hard to imagine um, the that that kind of peace. Um, but just in a in a couple of days, two or three days, all of a sudden it's it's right there, and it's uh, it's not far away from us. You know, right here, and right now. It's it's um, you know, one one breath, one step is something that Thich Nhat Hanh says sometimes, and that's how close that that piece is. Um, <coughs> And so that, that was one thing that really I felt grateful for. And um, the other sense that I had was also that it wasn't, um, well, of course, I was learning and things, new things were being revealed. But there was also, on some really deep level, the sense that uh, I was being reoriented towards something that something in myself already knew, that there, it was a remembering and, and not a, a new learning. Um, and, yeah, there, there's some, some part of the heart that knows um, already that that's what's really powerful and wholesome and, and you just have to keep reminding it because it forgets really easily. Um, but it, all, all the structures at the monastery uh, help you do that. So it's a really powerful time. Thanks.
3: It's just Peter that spoke, and this is Ellie. Um, <clears throat> hmm, what do I want to talk about? Uh, I I think um, I'm going to return to the place and the wildlife, because to me that was really important too. But um, Tig Not Han has a book, No Death, No Fear, And um, Peter gifted it to me after my stepmother died two years ago. And um, there's a lovely little piece in there about how, like, the cloud rains down, waters the grass, and then the cow eats the grass, and then you milk the cow, and you make ice cream. And so when you're eating your ice cream, you can be like, I recognize you, cloud. And I do that. I love that. I love that kind of um, sense of interconnectedness. Um, and for me, that story, you know, is very, it takes place in the natural world, more or less. Ice cream's part of the natural world. (laughs) And, um, and when my stepmother died, she left us a letter to open after she passed. And the way that it ended was, she was a writer, so it was much more eloquent than what it's going to sound like now, but it was basically like, um you'll find me when you're in wild places and when you love yourself and when you love other people and I think um being there around people with such open hearts um and around a place yeah coyote like we're all quiet at breakfast and coyote like walks by like a few feet away and stops and like looks around and having just like intermingling with people and a place in that way felt um like that the barrier that I f- feel as an individual human kind of broke apart and that sense of like connection was really potent and I loved that um and to be in that space with strangers I think is is really lovely um Peter and I were in the uh solidarity so I was up with the guys and Nicole and a couple other ladies, um, but I also found it really powerful to be around so many men that were so quiet and sweet and gentle, and um, I enjoyed getting to be a part of that. Um, and I I am relatively new to the practice, and um, and also a total extrovert, and so I was like. Ugh, I'm going to a meditation retreat, I can't like flail around and be really loud and like I'm relatively new to the practice and will I feel uncomfortable practicing around all these people, particularly like um, monks and it just was such an, yeah, it was such an open um, place and it felt like an incredible opportunity to really come into my own practice, um, particularly going with um, my partner it was it's a it's an it was an amazing opportunity to settle into myself and simultaneously really have all of this lovely energy for us too and it was fun to to hold that independence and that relationship in such a balanced way um, and I definitely left feeling like oh, I get, I get why I want, I'm so excited about this practice. I'm not so excited about this practice because Peter wants me to be so excited about this practice. I'm so excited about this practice because it's like, I could feel it on a very physical level. Um, I think Peter spoke to just like the nervous system, but yeah, for me, it was like, I could feel it on a cellular level. Like I, am vibrating all the time and I don't notice it because it's kind of the norm until being in a place like that and it was so lovely to be like whoa my whole body feels different Mm -hmm. um and just that inner relationship between the way that my physical body feels and the way that my mind is working um yeah so I enjoyed that piece um and I enjoyed being quiet. Um, it was nice to be able to talk and have sangha. And it was also really lovely to feel more comfortable in silence. Um, yeah. I think that's that's good for now. Thanks.
4: My name's Mike. Uh, some people call me the gangster of love. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no,
4: nobody calls me that. It's not true anymore.
5: <laughs>
4: so, um, <laughs> we went with a... <coughs> I think this is my fourth time, something like that. Um, I think it was my fourth time uh, in, in a row every January going to Deer Park Monastery. And um, it's going home for me um, physically um, and, and, and for me to come home to myself. Um, and when I, in that you get a check in, like when you first arrive, the next morning at breakfast, you get to check in and say hi. I'm Mike. I'm from Zula, and I and I said I'd said that. My name's Mike. I'm, some people call me the gangster of Love, and like with all the monastics and all the, the lay practitioners there, and there was this dreadful half pause of just crickets, and I was like, oh shoot, and then and then everybody laughed, which was which was a success. Um, and then it's like the word spread like wildfire yeah and there was a Montana represented Deer Park it was like what's up with Montana we just kept coming in and coming in there yeah it was it was uh so we figured we're gonna take it over if you guys want to help we're just gonna go they said it's cool Their park's very special to me. Um, 2009, I did my first retreat in, in the summer of, uh, of 2009, uh, fall ish. <coughs> Techna was doing his circuit, and I discovered the practice. And what you guys and I've heard each one of you talk about this, it's no longer an intellectual practice. It's, it becomes an embodied experience. And to discover that there's actually something there that's not mystical or that is not it's, it, it's it's it it's lands and it's really simple um not necessarily easy but it's very simple and mundane in in and beautiful um and I discovered it at Deer Park for me I discovered my practice in that way um I was one that believed that I could never meditate especially with walking meditation I could do pretty good but sitting meditation huh uh and I discovered it at the monastery that I could do that and <clears throat> going on a retreat like that and with the support of the sangha the, the the surrounding the energetics of the surrounding um gave me the capacity to let all the particulate in my mind settle and uh, and be able to just in be able to land and have clear clearer waters in my mind, still there waters in my mind. Um, that was 2009, and uh, so the birth of this practice for me really took place then, and my passion for it, and my prioritizing it in my life. And Four years ago, I guess, um, five years ago, Nicole went to Deer Park the first time in the, in the winter retreat for a month, and she came back, and it, and it changed our... Frickin' lives. Changed our lives. Um, and I when she came back, I said, I want to go next year. And it's the first thing that goes on our calendar, because it changed our lives. And um, <coughs> for me, it took the first time I went on a retreat took me three days for the pulp to settle. <laughs> and now now I can do it on my cushion. I can do it when I'm getting stressed out at work. When I, when I get stressed out at home, I can do it. And I go to, I go to this lovely place <laughs> in the January month. You know, we, did, we did three weeks this time and last time. And it's practice and practice and practice in a very lovely and gentle way. It's this continual, thoughtful, existing in a different way that I wouldn't have experienced. Um, so that's why Deer Park's important to me, and why I keep going back. It, well, that's part of it. And then now I just I have fun there too. <laughs> I get to go there and tell people I'm the gangster of love, and they think that's funny. Um, some of them are probably not thinking that's very funny, but <laughs> but I'm starting to make friends there with with the monks, and they're starting to you know I'm building relationships. And um, which is very nice, very lovely. So connecting with these um, people in my life, and um, and the land, the land there is so important. And there's a koi pond with a bunch of koi fish, and we started naming them. <laughs> there's a Skeletor is one of them, and Nibbler, and crusty. And uh, there's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> um, you don't have to give me a loud sound of the bell, Bob. If you if you do it, because uh, you're on my deaf side. Thank you. I heard that. (laughs) Two last things, um, I think. I I just forgot one of them. (laughs) This is not, for me... I, I really like sharing it, and I'm so happy we have this huge Montana contingency that, that did this. And it's something that people can do, it's something that people do do. And, it, and, it's, um, and watching people go there and um, watching, uh, in, in, and it happens in very subtle ways. It's magical, it's very subtle. I don't even necessarily know I'm changing, and it just, just happens very naturally. Um, but it's not something that somebody else does necessarily. This is a thing that people can do. Um, so that's, that's the um, first thing, first, last thing. And then lastly, you have to be careful, though, because when I, we, the day we were leaving, there was a monkey comes up to me and says, we decided you and Nicole can't leave. <laughs> and I was like, you can do that? <laughs> So they let me go, but just, I don't know if that's a thing or not.
0: Hello again, everyone. this is Nicole for the recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I'll um share briefly here a couple of things, so, as Mike mentioned um so this is my fifth year going to Deer Park in January um, <clears throat> and this last time um Something that came up for me, not a new insight or understanding, but a deepening of an uh, understanding that I've had for a long time about the importance of Sangha practice, of being in relationship um, and uh, close connection with a community like this, like that we have here at Be Here Now. Um, And what I realized is that despite how diligent I am of a practitioner in my everyday life, there's a a wealth of different mindfulness exercises and tools that I utilize throughout the day to to help me water the seeds of mindfulness. If I were to stop coming here on Monday nights to Sangha, I feel confident my um, practice would drop off and take a nosedive. Probably in short order in shorter order than I would think, um, and so that was a new that was a deeper understanding of the importance of of what we're doing here um, and um, that was really lovely to to see come up for me um, you know I, I I was thinking about the analogy of like um, You know, Sangha is not like the equivalent of like sprinkling Parmesan cheese on the top of a bowl of pasta, It's like it's not just something nice to add on when I have, you know, when the conditions are right, but it's more the equivalent, Sangha practice for me is more the equivalent of like the tomatoes that are necessary for the sauce, like it's a vital component Um, and not just something extra to to heap on. So, yeah, I just got a new, uh, a deeper layer, a new layer of understanding of the importance of being in community. Um, But this this group has always been a priority for me to come every Monday night. So I I haven't, you know, it's not new, again, just deeper. Um, And then another thing that came up for me, too, in an effort to, like, think about a way to answer the common question, like, why do you keep going to Deer Park? What do you... What do you get out of that experience? Um, I realized that similar to how like doctors or therapists or teachers, like they have ongoing uh, trainings that they're required to do to keep their certification up and their their practice and their occupation going. Um, Similar to that, I feel like for me going to Deer Park and going on retreats is like on-the-job training. Uh, for being a happy, contented person. Like, have that. That's my occupation, right? So I need that ongoing training. Uh, it's similar. And so I really like, you know, that that analogy came up for me while I was at your part. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm doing this concentrated, this training, um, the really fertile ground to concentrate my practice energy. Um, and as Mike said, its it's really changed our lives in a lot of way, going and making this a priority to go for a few weeks to Deer Park every year, um, it really carries through the rest of our, um, the rest of our year. And so going in January especially is a really lovely way to start our year off. Um, hmm. So yeah, I think um, the, yeah, the importance of that the ongoing training piece, um, I feel like we all have like experience or an understanding that like for like physical bodies to be optimally functioning like we exercise we need proper rest, you know a uh, good healthy diet, but our culture really doesn't focus on the mental emotional um, piece of being human, which is huge that's a huge piece you know that's a huge piece of being human and um so you know. Similar to keeping our our body up and going and you know, that's ongoing, right? We know that if we want to keep our muscles strong, we don't just exercise for a month and then we're good to go, right? (laughs) It's similar also with for me with the mental, emotional health and well-being and optimally functioning on that level um, that takes ongoing cultivation. And so um, going on retreats, coming here to Sangha, that's part of that that um that the strength training (laughs) of my practice so I'm so grateful that the the monastery is there and it's open and like we've been talking about you know we we've all been there and we're half of the Montana crew that went and um uh you can go there if it's something that you're interested in doing um it's open and available and it's really relatively affordable. There's work options of work stay sort of things. They have a lot of different uh, setups there. So um, so please keep it in mind if you're interested. Uh, it's a lovely place to spend time. So I think with that, I will end my portion here. Thank you. <coughs>